Welcome to the Simple Programmer Podcast. Making complex programming simple and fast. With everything from career advice to philosophy, it's the Simple Programmer Podcast. Hey, what's up? John Sonmez here from simpleprogrammer.com. And today we're going to be talking about the top five mistakes that you're making in negotiating your salary. So, I've got an expert here, uh, Josh Duty, who basically his entire job is to help software developers to be able to learn how to negotiate their salary so they can make more money. It's a it's a skill that I think is vitally important. One of those things that uh, if you've been following Simple Programmer for a while, I've talked about a lot. I've taught about in my books as well. But Josh Duty is has got some expert advice on this, and he actively works with uh, with a lot of students, coaching them and helping them to to make more money. It can make a huge difference in your in your overall uh, you know salary like over the long term in your career and how much money that you make if you can you know learn learn to stop making these mistakes so uh welcome josh yeah thanks john thanks for having me on this is a uh, i think probably my favorite topic to talk about uh one over two of these is you know the, the biggest soapbox that i like to stand on so um it's, it's great to have this opportunity to talk specifically about something that i love talking about so much and that's so beneficial to software developers yeah, yeah, it's it is really a, a, a critical thing. I think that you know, I think what's your experience? Like most software developers don't don't even really know or, or negotiate their salaries from 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 when I've coached developers and, and talked to them. Is would you say that's true? Or I think that is true. I think um, later in their career, sometimes they realize maybe they miss some opportunities. But for the most part, I think software developers are focused on writing good code, mm -hmm. becoming proficient, finding a good job, maybe landing something at a big five software company, which makes them a little bit more uh, nervous about negotiating. And so they're even more reluctant there. But I think it's you know something that kind of tumbles down their priority list or they're not even aware they should try it. And so your, your read is the same as my experience, which is they usually don't negotiate or it's kind of an afterthought that maybe they think up too late. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I know like in my career, one of the biggest things was uh, my biggest negotiation was actually going from an offer at $50 an hour, like working as a, as a consultant on a, on a project to actually getting $75 an hour after I had negotiated. And that's, I mean, that's a ridiculously huge increase that would seem impossible, but, uh, but the key is not to make mistakes in negotiating so that's yes. what we should talk about today so all right let's uh let's let's hear what is your what is one what is your first mistake that that software developers make when negotiating yeah so we're going to take the, the first two are sort of related but they're they're separate parts of this and that'll make more sense as i talk through them so number one is sharing your current salary um which mm -hmm. has been this is actually asking for current salary in some states now is illegal um, but not all states. So I think New York and California, maybe New Jersey have sort of outlawed the, you know, what are you currently making at your current job question, but most states have not outlawed it. And so it's a very frequent question that recruiters like to ask. Um, and this one is really sneaky, uh, along with the next one that we'll get to in a minute, because, uh, it comes up really early in the interview process usually. So mm -hmm. you're not in a formal negotiation, right? Usually people think of the negotiation as I have an offer and now how do I respond to the offer to negotiate? Um, and this is so early in the process, it's usually part of the interview process where they'll ask, what's your current salary? And sharing this information can be really detrimental to you because you don't want them to make an offer to you based on, you know, maybe an incremental bump on your current right. salary. You don't, you exactly. don't want them thinking, you know, what's the minimum that we need to do to convince John to come work for us, right? Well, we'll do his current salary plus 3%, which is super common, right? 
So you don't want them thinking that way. And so if you give them that number, then now they're going to be thinking, what's the minimum we need to do to get you on board instead of, you know, what do we have to offer John to get him to join our team? Yeah. Um, so sharing that current salary is a big mistake. Um, the best way to avoid that is, is usually I find just to say, you know, I'd rather not disclose that. I'd rather focus on this opportunity that's in front of me and talk to you about the value that I can add to your team. Um, and so it's a nice, you know, just a nice little sidestep. Usually recruiters will get tired of asking you for it if you give them that answer or a version of that enough times. Um, but that's the first mistake is sharing your current salary when they ask you for it. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, that I agree. That makes a lot of sense. And that's, it's a, I think a lot of people feel like they have to answer that question and they can't just, I mean, I, I like your approach. I think that's probably the best thing is just to say, I'd prefer not to dis disclose that. And then if they, usually people aren't going to press, right? Like, I mean, someone may press in the past. What I've told people that when I've been at an interview, especially in the early stages, as I've said, look, here, here's the thing, you know, I'll be totally honest with you. It's, it's all it's it's not just a number right because there's benefits involved there's work environment there's a lot of factors involved so it's really hard to equate it to just a number so i don't i don't feel like that's going to be an, an accurate representation uh, for either of us of, of of you know for for in terms of this position or or yeah. i've even said before that uh, you know i just i can't disclose salary information from another company uh, you know that's their yeah. kind of proprietary information so you know, <laughs> that's that's my sort of trump card. You know, sometimes you're right. Most of the time, a recruiter, it's almost like they're they have like a list of check boxes they need to check that are like questions they're supposed to ask you. Right. Like maybe if you're lucky, this candidate will give you this information, which makes it easier for us to make a, a small offer. Right. Um, right. And so I think the trump card, though, is what you just said, which is you basically raise an ethical objection, which is, you know, my current employer is currently paying my salary and I'm not comfortable disclosing how they compensate people like me. Um, yeah. I think that's competitive information that could give you an advantage or other companies in the same way that I wouldn't necessarily disclose that information. If I were working for you, I don't want to disclose their information to you. Um, and I like that approach as a last resort because it backs them into a corner where they're forced to either just abandon ship and give up on that quest or to basically tell you, okay, but I want you to do something that you have just told me you believe is unethical. Right. <laughs> so exactly. I want to hire you, but also I want you to do something unethical just to get the opportunity. To, and that, that clearly is a conflict for them. And wouldn't make a lot of sense. So I do like that yeah. as a last resort kind of trump card. Yeah, yeah. It's it's one of those things though. I think like you, I'm glad you mentioned this one first because I feel like like you have to really harp on people that yes, like even at the risk of you know of of being judged a little bit, like just push back on this and and just say you know I'm not going to give it to you or or I mean I, I've even uh, one time I had even said I just went with the total honest approach and I said I you know. That I feel like if I gave you that information, it would it would put me at a distinct disadvantage in uh, if we talk salary negotiations later on. So I'd rather not do that. I'm sure you can understand that you wouldn't want to do that either. And again, it's you know I I would still prefer like like you said the very first thing you said. I think that's because then no no going into it. Just like I just prefer not to right. expose that. That's I think that's a simple. It's going to work ninety percent of the time. But people don't think it will, right? They they they're afraid to say that, right? So, well, it's it's weird. This is why these. I, so I I kind of colloquially I call this one and then the next one we're going to talk about the dreaded salary question together mm. and the reason that it's dreaded is what you just described which is it happens in the interview usually it's early it might yeah. be in your screening call you may not even have had your first interview yet when they're asking you these questions and what you feel like is well i wouldn't be talking to this person if i didn't want to be considered for this job 
And I guess I just needed to comply with whatever they're asking me so I can get to the interview process. Because I obviously can't get the job if I don't interview. And I may not be able to get to the interviews if I don't give them this information. So I feel kind of boxed in, like almost like I have to have to provide this information just to get to the interviews. Um, you don't have to provide the information to get to the interviews, but it can feel that way as a candidate. Um, and so that's why I call them the dreaded salary questions. That's why they're particularly sneaky, um, because you may not be in a negotiation mindset at all when these questions come up. You're just thinking, how do I get to talk to a hiring manager or somebody that might be on the team that I'm, you know, of the, of the job that I'm applying for? Um, and so you'll, a lot of people don't even, it doesn't even occur to them to slow down and say, wait a minute, could this hurt me in six weeks when I get through the onsite process and everything and I might get an offer? Um, so it's pretty sneaky. Yeah, yep, exactly, exactly. I, I think the other thing too that I've I've heard a lot of uh, people talk about is lying to the to this question, which I think is a really, really bad idea. I don't as like it. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I think lying. My philosophy. I tell this to all my clients. We're going to be honest. Honesty mm -hmm. is the best way to go. If you don't lie, then you don't have to cover anything up. Uh, exactly. If you get caught lying, you're in real big trouble. Um, and it's just, uh, to be honest with you, it's not necessarily to lie. Like there are ways to get through interviews and really make a good impression without lying. And so I, I don't encourage anybody to lie. Um, so I, you know, you, you and I are on exactly the same page there. Even if you feel like you're, you know, you're fighting fire with fire, right? Well, they're going to be sneaky and ask me tricky questions that they shouldn't be asking me. So I'm going to lie to them and answer. I don't, I don't think that's the way to go. Yeah. And even if you do, I think if you lie on the high end, it could actually screw you from getting the job because they might think that you're too expensive. I'd rather I'd rather wow them at the interview, like, you know, and, and do, do a good job where they want to hire me and then give them a big number that I'm I'm asking for rather than up front, which I'm sure we're probably going to get to. I'm going to guess that that we're going to hit yeah. another uh, that topic. Uh, so, OK, so let's move on to number two. What's number two here? All right, number two, it's a perfect segue, actually. You did it perfectly. So the, the second one is disclosing your salary expectations. So yes, that's what I was going to yes, guess. <laughs> you're, you're exactly right, right? So yeah. the first one is, what's your current salary? But they'll, they'll usually ask it as like a, a two-part little package question. You know, mm -hmm. what are you currently making and what are you hoping to make if you come join our team, right? So what right. Are your, what's your current salary? What are your salary expectations? Um, and you just articulated some of the you know really good reasons why I don't like disclosing salary expectations. Most people will say exactly what you just said was, why don't I just say a big old number? Um, and so I like to kind of pause people right there and say, all right, well, let's let me reframe this question for you. So you're talking to a company. Let's say you're talking to, to Apple, right? Apple says, hey, what, what are your salary? What are you hoping to make if you come work for us? What are your salary expectations? And, um, and you know, they're also kind of implicitly saying we've got thousands of engineers that do something very similar to what you do. Probably we've been hiring for years and years and years and years. Um, you're a software developer. You've had one or two or three jobs. That's good for you. So you've got a few data points. We've got millions of data points. Um, you know, we have a lot of uh, data reports, salary surveys, economic data. We have a team of economists that are looking at global economies and all this thing. So yeah. so just just based on what, you know, take a wild guess what we would think is an appropriate salary to pay somebody that has a resume like yours. Just guess, right? right. And then you're like, well, am I guessing high? I don't know. Like, I think I'm going to guess high, but am I going to guess high? I don't know. And the, the, the really pernicious thing is like, you're almost guaranteed to not guess the right number. So if right. the number is 150,000 base and 200K equity, you're never going to guess those two numbers in combination. You're going to be too high or too low. Like you said, too high, you could disqualify yourself. They could say, oh, we're not looking for somebody that's senior. We're not going to yeah. talk to you anymore. And you may have had an opportunity to interview, even though they wanted to hire a more junior person. And as they talk to you and the hiring managers get to know you and they start rallying around you and saying, hey, you know, we want John on our team. What's it going to take to get John on our team? You get to the end and they say, we don't know if we should offer John this junior role. We might, we might should go for a more senior role. I think he's exactly. a more senior fit. 
He's probably yeah. going to be more expensive than we budgeted for. That's okay. We've got the extra budget. Let's make him a senior, right? Or you could, you know, that could be part of the negotiation. But if you disqualify yourself early before they get to know you by guessing too high, they might just say, ah, that's too bad. You know, we were really hoping to bring you on. We'll give you a call if we open up a senior position for you later. Um, and of course, if you guess too low, the, the consequences are pretty obvious, which is, you know, assuming that the number that you guess is in their pay band still, but on the low end, they might just give you the number. And then now you're kind of boxed in where you would realize, I call this the bad yes. So you say, well, I want to make 140K base. Right. And they say, great, here's 140K base. And immediately you go, ah, what if I said 150? Um, <laughs> right. And so, so you yeah. know, if you guess on the lower end, you could be costing yourself money. And the, the sneaky thing there is if you guess under the bottom of their pay band, so let's say the minimum they would pay this role is 150 and you say, I'd be happy at 140. Then they get to have their cake and eat it too. They come back to you and say, hey, you know what? Great news. You said you only wanted 140. We're going to give you 150 because we right. have to do that. We literally exactly. cannot hire you for less than 150. And you're like, wow, I must have really blown them away. I got another 10K for doing nothing. But you don't know that if you asked for 180, you might have gotten it. You know, you might have gotten 170 or more equity or something like that. So again, I see it as just take a wild guess what we might you know, pay somebody with your skill set and experience to do this kind of job at our company. And you're always going to guess wrong. So instead, I think that you should say something like, you know, I really don't have a number in mind. Um, I want to focus on the value that I can add to your team in this position. And I want this move to be a big step forward for me in both in terms of responsibility and in terms of compensation. I look forward to hearing what you offer if we get to that point. Um, yeah. So, so you just, again, sidestep. I don't want to talk numbers. I want to talk about the value you can add, you, I can add, which is genuine, right? Like we said, I, as an interviewer um, or the interviewee as a candidate, I want as many reps, as many opportunities as possible to blow them away and make them think, what do we have to do to get Josh on our team? How much do we have to offer him? Should we offer him a more senior position, right? Um, and so that's, that's the way that I like to approach it, is not sharing numbers, using interviews as opportunities to drive your value up in their eyes so that they're making a strong offer that's designed to compel you to take the job at their company instead of going somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. Yeah. That's, uh, and, and I've, you know, when I've been in that situation in the past, again, I've, I've also said that, that, you know, a number, a salary number doesn't, is not a total compensation impact. Like there's, you know, benefits, there's options, there's all kinds of stuff. There's the work environment, there's, you know, that, that factor into it. So for me to give mm -hmm. a number as if just a number is the, the only thing that's important, it, it doesn't, doesn't do its service. So uh, yeah, you could find out, you know, you could find out that they don't have a performance bonus or something and that makes mm -hmm. your base salary a little bit less valuable, right? Um, maybe maybe they have an unlimited vacation policy, which would be more or less valuable to you, right? Um, or, you know, they don't have a 401k match. That's 3% off the top that you're not getting. So there could be a lot of things that you find out later that would have made you say a higher salary number, but you don't know that information usually until you get an offer and they send you the benefits package. Um, so yeah, another reason not to, again, not to just guess what they might pay you because you might not even be guessing on the same scale as what they're using. Exactly. In fact, you know what I've got, um, just remind me, uh, might as well throw this in for, for everyone that's, that's listening here. Uh, if, if you, uh, I, I created a, a salary calculator that is a, is a spreadsheet that has a, has a tool in there where you can basically put in. Uh, you can compare a salary to a contract, right? And you can put in benefits and, and things like that. And you can come up with the, what the actual apples to apples comparison is like, do you know which, which is more $50 an hour or a hundred thousand dollars a year? Well, it depends on if there's 401k matching mm -hmm. all those things. So if you guys want right now, if you, uh, we'll put a link in the description and if you subscribe, 
uh, definitely subscribe to your channel. But if you if you go through there uh, and tell me where to send it, I'll send you that. And uh, you know, of of course, you know that that can help you with uh, with figuring out some of that stuff. So. I love that. A lot of people are really, it, like you mentioned earlier, I think going from like contract to full-time, that's mm -hmm. a tough transition because uh, it's hard to know what the full-time number looks like. You know what your contract number looks like, right? If you're 1099 or even a W2 contractor, you know what you're making hourly or whatever that rate is, but then you don't really know how that translates to, well, what if I have benefits now? I now have health insurance. I don't have to pay my own taxes and stuff like that. Like how much how much is, is this offer they're making me, right? We're going the other way if you decide you want to freelance or something. So I like that. That's a That's a cool tool. Yeah, I was surprised when I actually ran through it myself. Like, because when you're when you're trying to, I mean, that's and it, I think that's part of the problem with trying to name a number is you you could really hurt yourself when you don't actually calculate this out and see how much it's worth. Like, you know, how much is the the four hundred one k matching? How much is the the medical, you know, the benefits that they're paying you, how much, you know, is this there are they offering a stock option or a, a employee stock purchase program, if it's like a 10% discount on on the stock, that's some serious money that you know, it's like, if you don't calculate all that stuff, I, and I've gotten it wrong, I, I had I had looked at jobs where I was like, Okay, this is clearly better. And, and it's not when you run the, the straight numbers, it was like, a, I was off by 20% and on in, in the wrong direction, thinking that one job was was actually paying more when it's not. So uh, that's yeah, so I think that's really important to figure that out. But cool. But yeah, like so, um, so as far as the like, okay, so, so some of the pushbacks, I think, and I've seen this before, I don't know what your experience with it is. But on on the first question on the first mistake when people say what is your current salary usually they'll they'll you know if you say i don't want to disclose it i think 90 percent time they go away and they say okay but mm -hmm. on this second one i feel like it, they push it a lot harder right because even even you know i've i've uh, had developers that, that i've that i've coached or i've even seen it myself too where you fill out a form right for the for the and then you put a zero in there or you put like it, it's telling you to what is your salary expectations and if you put anything in there like na or, or zero or something like that they come back and they say okay you need to actually complete this or you know i've had that that happen what what do you do in that case what kind of advice do you have or or if they just come back and they say hey you know what we, we need to know what whether what your salary expectations are so we know wh whether you're a good fit for this job or not yeah, so I usually like to turn it around on them because mm -hmm. then they'll say frequently what you just said is what they will say, right? And so I think that's actually a bluff most of the time. And so I mm -hmm. like to just call them on that bluff and say, oh, I didn't realize that's what you were trying to do. If you need to qualify me for a range, let me know what that range is and I'll tell you, tell you if you're in the ballpark so we can move forward. Um, yeah. And now you flipped it back on them, yeah. right? So they said, oh, we're trying, we need to make sure you're in a range. You said, great, what's the range, right? Um, which again, they are in a better position to give that range than you are because they're the ones who are actually setting the range and they, they have more data than you. Um, and a lot of times, probably 50% of the time, they'll say, uh, well, well, let me, I'll get back to you. And, uh, and then they move on. And then sometimes they say, they'll give you a big range. Oh, we're thinking like 150 to 200 K. Right. And then you can say, yeah, that's in the ballpark. And just yep. leave it at that, <laughs> right? You know, so so you're not committing. So you see, so you're using the term ballpark, which I think is important. So you still have plenty of latitude to negotiate later. You also have latitude to negotiate for the reasons that you said, which are even if they tell you the range of, for example, base salary, they haven't told you what kind of equity they're offering. They haven't told you what kind of sign-on bonus might be available. You don't know what the 401k match looks like. Their vacation plan. Do you get three weeks or four weeks paid? 
Um, you know, what's the bonus structure look like? And, you know, there's a lot of stuff that you still don't know. So telling them, yes, that's in the ballpark is an honest answer. Um, yep. And of course, if they're way off, you might want to tell them, let me have some time to think about that, right? But usually the range is so wide, it's going to capture anything that you would consider pretty reasonable. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, that makes sense. Now, what about the, I don't know if this is one that you're going to get to, but this one's related to it is, I've often had developers say, well, when they asked me what my salary requirement was, I said, uh, and, you know, somewhere between 80 to 120,000. And so they give a range and I'm like, no, don't do that. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, it's like, well, it's it's like if someone said, well, how much do you want for, you know, you're selling something on Craigslist and they're like, how much you want for the couch? Like, uh, you know, somewhere between three and 500. They're going to be like, oh, how about 300 then? Oh, how There's about 310? Three, three <laughs> yeah. Right. That's, I mean, that's exactly, that's what I always say is anytime you're telling them a range, they uh, hear the bottom number in the range. Anytime yeah. they're telling you a range, you're going to hear the top number, right? So, my example, I said 150 to 180 uh, or 150 to 200. So, if I said 150 to 200 to you, you hear 150 because you're the buyer, right? Uh, mm -hmm. So, you're like, great, 150. And then if, if, um, if you say, you know, or, or if we flip it around, right? and um, you're getting the information of, well, I could pay you, I'm the seller, I could pay you 150 to 200, then you're gonna say, great, 200, right? So you're, gonna, you're just gonna take whatever end of the range is most advantageous for you. Um, for sure. And that's, that's what they're gonna do too. So if you tell them you know, 150 to 200, they're gonna hear 150 and your offer is probably gonna be 155 or 160 or something if you're lucky. Now, what if they're just adamant, right? Because I, I have seen this before where they're like, no, you have to, give the, the 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 number we have to have this in for our hr records or whatever they pull out some kind of you know we, we can't move forward until we have this information what yeah i have, do you do i have two answers to this first of all i don't like it it frustrates mm -hmm. me because i don't it's a strong arm tactic um yep. usually it doesn't get that far if they are super adamant then um sometimes i'll actually tell my clients all right well i guess we got to tell them a number but I'll also tell my clients, I hope you're talking to other companies because if they're not yeah. willing to talk to you until you do their negotiation job for them, and you're clearly at a disadvantage here. So they're right. asking you to give them information that everyone who's in a party to this transaction, they know that you are costing yourself money and putting yourself at a disadvantage by giving that information. You've indicated that you do not want to put yourself at that disadvantage, and they insist that you put yourself at that disadvantage. And so for me, that's a red flag that maybe this organization isn't focused on getting the best talent, right? Exactly, um, yeah. And so that's, that's what you don't want to do is be sucked into an organization's pipeline where they're just looking for cheap labor. Uh, you yeah. want them to hire you because you're competent at your job and valuable, and they want to compensate you for the value that you're going to bring. Um, so if they say, we're going to shut it down if you don't give us a number, and, you, and they mean it. So if you've called their bluff a couple of times and they are not budging, then I think it's reasonable to just give them, quote unquote, a big number. Yeah. Um, and try to move forward while you're also shopping and saying, eh, maybe I don't want to be working for this particular firm. Um, so I don't like it. Uh, I've seen several times, even with like Google, where Google recruiters have said explicitly, we cannot move forward in this process until you give me a number. And my yeah. client will tell them, I am not giving you a number. And then they'll say, okay, okay, we'll come back to that later. And then they never come back to it, right? Until they make an offer. Yeah. And so usually it's just a very aggressive bluff and is rarely yeah. actually a deal breaker for them. Um, but if it is a deal breaker, I would make sure that I have a plan B and then maybe give them a number that's too big just so you can move on. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, I think even with both of these, these first two ones, well, what you just said, right? If Google emails you and they're like, we need a number, we can't move forward. 
it's pretty ballsy to be like, I'm not giving you a number. Like it takes some balls, right? To, to do yeah, that. I mean, to, sure. even to answer any of these questions and to, cause I think mo most developers are so afraid that they're gonna lose the job that they just, they're like, I'm not gonna risk anything. I'm just gonna tell them what they want. And uh, and it's, and I guess, I mean, it's, it, it is not going to risk you the job in, in like right. most cases, right? So. Yeah, it's like 90 plus percent, 95%, yeah. maybe more. I mean, it's very rare that they will stop talking to you because you did not give them one of these numbers. Very rare. Yeah, yeah. And I've given numbers before when I've been forced to it. I think one time I got forced to it and I just said, basically, I gave what I thought was a good, I mean, I knew, I did my homework ahead of time. I knew, but but I gave a number and I said, but you know, it really depends on the full full package, the full compensation package benefits and, and everything. I don't know, you know, how much days vacation and all of these things. So this is, this is roughly, what uh what i would expect but it you know it, it's <laughs> so i'm not that's a good hitting it because i don't want them to be yeah. like hey you know we gave you the number you asked for because that's the worst thing right is like and then and you're like you know like now you try to raise the price after <laughs> but it's like no yeah. i said i said specifically that depended on the on the benefits and you know so yeah i mean that's a perfect like little a teeny tangent that you just took us on and we can come right back from quickly but yeah if you if you do say a number and they make you an offer that matches that number that's the way I like to kind of continue negotiating as well. I gave you that number, but that was before I saw the benefits package. So yeah. um, now that I've seen the benefits package, I think I'd be more comfortable if we could increase the salary that you offered, right? Um, yeah. And so even then you kind of always have that in your back pocket where it's unlikely that, that you're gonna know all that information up front. And you can usually find something that you can say, well, it's a little different than I thought. You know, I didn't, I didn't realize this about the benefits package. And so because of that, I'd like to ask for more salary. Exactly, nice. Yeah. All right, so what, uh, what, do we, what do you got for number three here? Number three, I think this one will be pretty quick, but it's I think it's super important. And mm -hmm. that is a big salary negotiation mistake that people make in general, especially software developers, is they don't negotiate. Yeah. Um, and so so if you've, you know, we've come to this point where if you have listened carefully and you're doing like the stuff that we're saying to do, mm -hmm. you've probably commanded a pretty strong offer from the firm or firms that you're talking to, right? right? So you've done your homework, you've avoided the questions that could have cost you money. And now they're thinking because you're interviewing well, you're performing well in whiteboard interviews and you're site and your group interviews. And now they're thinking, all right, well, what do we have to do to hire John? Like what, do, what number do we have to say to convince him to come work for us? And so a lot of times you're gonna get a pretty strong offer and it can be uh, sometimes a little disarming when you see the offer, you go, oh, wow, like I didn't, <laughs> I'm glad I didn't say a salary expectations number because I would have been way under that number. And then right. a lot of times people will take their foot off the gas and they'll say, oh, well, I didn't know I was gonna get offered this much money. That's pretty good. I don't want to seem greedy. So I'll just take that. I'll just take that. Number, right. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, so they just don't negotiate, but it's important to make sure that you continue to negotiate because you've only begun the negotiation. You've done your part to get what you perceive to be a strong offer. Usually what that indicates, by the way, if you get an offer that you think is stronger than you, you expected is that your data was off somehow. Your research was a little off. You underestimated mm -hmm. your value to this firm. That's what that tells you. And it's the most explicit data point that you could get to tell you that, right? So you didn't have a number from them. You did a bunch of research, you had intuition, you had prior experience, you had your current salary, maybe other data points. You thought, you know, I should make this much money. They offered you more than that. And what that means is that you just underestimated your value to them. It doesn't mean that necessarily that they're making a home run offer to try and bring you on board. Sometimes that's the case. Occasionally, they, the reason you're seeing a big offer is that you've convinced them they should not mess around. Maybe they know you have other opportunities and they're trying to make sure that they lock you up right now, right? Because yeah. um, you're a free agent. And so it is possible that they're making you the strongest offer possible and that you won't be able to move it with negotiating, but you can't know that until you try to negotiate. So 
the mistake itself is just not negotiating, usually because you perceive the offer to be strong or you're maybe intimidated by the recruiter. Some recruiters are very good at making you feel guilty for negotiating. Like they'll give you a little bit of a guilt trip about how busy they are and how hard it is to fill this role and how they work on all these other opportunities. And, you know, they were on vacation last week and they're kind of trying to dig out from under their inbox and all this stuff. Right. And they make you feel bad. You're like, I don't want to trouble this poor recruiter and ask them for more money. That's going to make more paperwork for them. Right. They already they already sent me a PDF of an offer. It's like more or less in stone. Uh, little tactics like that, and so yeah. you, you'll you'll feel reticent sometimes. So this is just my kind of admonition to negotiate, even if you get an offer that looks good, even if you feel sorry for the recruiter. Um, that whatever they offered you, the the best reason to negotiate that offer is because there might be room to negotiate, and you can't know until you counter offer and you try to negotiate. Um, uh, yeah. So, I, like I said, I think that's a short one. But the mistake is, people sometimes will just not negotiate, even though I've convinced them they should. Even my clients sometimes. I have clients. Yeah. I had a client. Oh I yeah. Don't know, two months ago, he uh, got a really strong offer from Facebook, and <laughs> and he was like, you know, this is really good. I don't think I'm gonna negotiate. And I said, <laughs> I said, listen, don't let don't don't decide right now. Just yeah. let me let me write the email that you're gonna send to your recruiter. Let me just draft it for you, and, yeah. and I'll send it to you. You can read the email, and you and I can talk about whether you want to send that email and whether the number in the email is something you're comfortable with, but don't decide right now not to negotiate. Do not email them and say that you accept, please. Just right. give me a chance to, to talk you into counteroffering. And of course he got like, I don't know, another 200K equity or something from them, um, which is like, you know, he was a super, a super senior, you know, machine learning guy. So super high demand. It's not, you know, your results may vary, right? Your mileage may vary. But point being, he was, he was blown away by this offer he got from Facebook. And I had yeah. to really work hard to convince him to negotiate because he was so surprised by how much they wanted him. But I said, look, all that means is they want you on their team worse than we thought they did. So let's yeah. see how badly they want you on their team. Let's see what your value is to this, you know, tens of billions of dollars valued company, right? Um, let's see what they're willing to, what, to pull out for you. So mistake yeah. is not negotiating. You should always negotiate. Um, the caveat I'll put there is people say, well, what if they rescind the offer if I negotiate? And my answer to that is, if they rescind the offer because you negotiated, you probably don't want to work there. Um, yeah. It's self-serving, but that's a huge red flag for me, right? Um, if, if you say, hey, I, you value me at $150,000, I'd be more comfortable at 165. And they say, no more offer. Then you know that they're not really wanting to hire you. If, they, if yeah. they, They're not going to let $15,000 keep them from hiring you if they really want you specifically to work for them. So uh, they're almost never going to rescind offers. It's like one in 100, one in 80 in my experience. It's very, very rare. Every time it happens, I email the person and say, hey, you know, what, 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 tell me your story. They tell me the story and there are red flags everywhere that this is a yeah. bad organization to work for. They don't want to be on the inside of that organization. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a really good point. In fact, it, it, sometimes when a company that rescinds the offer was going to rescind the offer anyway, because they had, they ran into a financial problem, their budget, they're not making payroll this month. And so this is just gave them an excuse to do what they were going to. In fact, it's better they rescind it now than the worst thing that happens. And I've had, I've had developers tell me this horror story is they move across the country to start their mm -hmm. new job. And offers are always at will. It's like at will employment, like, you know, it can be pulled even after it's been signed by both parties. They don't have to pay you anything until you've actually put in hours and, and worked. You can move across okay. the country. And and I've had that happen before where, where people have told me about that. And that's that's bad. <laughs> that's it's real bad. bad.
Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, and I, another, another sneaky thing that I've seen is sometimes they will have actually extended the same offer to like a couple or two or three candidates. Oh yeah. And so it's like almost first come first serve. And so what they, what they were doing was bargain hunting, right? And somebody mm-hmm. was going to get the offer pulled anyway. And you just happened to be the one who was smart enough to negotiate and allow them to reveal their hand that they had too many irons in the fire. Um, so that's, you know, what you said happens sometimes. And also sometimes they will just, they'll just be, you know, in such a desperation mood to just get people in the seat to do some kind of work that they don't care who it is and they just want the cheapest person. And that's not who you want to be. Yeah. And if someone rescinds the offer, I mean, you, it doesn't mean that it's, uh, I've done this before in, in negotiations and besides just salary negotiations where, where I've come in and I've, I've negotiated high. I, well, I sell a lot of real estate, right? Cause I, I, I invest in a lot of real estate. So I'm selling, when I'm selling one of my properties, sometimes I'll make a counter offer back to the, uh, you know, to, to the buyer and I'll, I'll make a high counter offer. Then I'll say, no, never mind. We'll just pass on the property. And then if I, if I'm, if I'm like, oh crap, I, I, I guess I would have taken what they, then, then I just go back to the, you know, you have a little egg on your face, but you crawl back to him and you say, you know what, after I, if I, after I looked at, uh, you know, everything and all the circumstances, everything, uh, I, I am willing to, to accept your offer. I think it's a good, it's a, it's a good solid offer. My calculations were a little bit off and my, my estimation of the market. So we'll, we'll go with that. And, you know, yeah. same thing. I think if you go to a company again, if they're not malicious and you're like, and you're like, Hey, after I went back and looked at all your benefits and everything, and I did the calculations and I realized what I need to live on and, and everything, you know, I, I'm, I am, if you're willing to give me back that first offer, you know, it, it, it'll, it'll hurt a little bit inside with the pride, but, but I mean, that it's still on the table. It's not like it's because it's such a fear. I think that so many developers are like, oh, if I try to negotiate at all, they're just going to pull the offer. They're going to say never mind, and it's just it's not it's not the case, and it's not the dead end either. So, yeah. Well, and you just used the optimal word for me, right? Fear. That's why my book is called Fearless Salary Negotiation because mm-hmm. it really is scary. It makes people nervous, um, and I think offers being rescinded is the big one. Being perceived as greedy is another fear that people have. Um, And it's there are a lot of things working against you. Some of it is, you know, in your own head and some of it is sort of nice sort of marketing (laughs) by (laughs) recruiters and companies and other people to make you a little bit nervous about negotiating. Are you sure you want to do that? That kind of stuff. Um, But you're right. I mean, if it's a company that really wants to hire you, they have explicitly stated what they would like to pay for you. Sometimes that's the bottom end of the range and sometimes it's the max. Um, If they say, even if they say, hey, you know what, we, we thought that, you know, you would be all right at 150, um, you want 170, we just can't do that. So I guess this isn't a good fit. You can always just say, like you said, okay, 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 150, right? Like, you know, you're right. Uh, I was off on these numbers. I'll take it at 150 if it's there. And if they really wanted to work with you, they're going to be happy. They're going to say, great, 150, that's good. Let's go. Let's get right. to work, right? Because they're just trying to get to work with you. Um, and they just maybe couldn't afford to pay more. Um, so yeah, see, it's it's imperative to negotiate. Even if yeah. even if there's a one on 100 shot that the job goes away, Usually that's a job you didn't want anyway. And exactly. future you will look back and say, that, that was <laughs> a bad situation that I almost got myself in. Thank goodness I didn't do that. Yeah, 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 it's true. And, you know, I think I think the other thing is 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 with the, the rescinding of the offer. Like at the point where, the, like I've hired people before, I still hire people for my business now. And I know at the point where I'm giving someone an offer, like I've done so much work because I've interviewed 50 people 
like if it, like and and for, for maybe i've run a background check and spent money on or maybe i've you know mm -hmm. I, i've i've spent i've invested like at the point that they've actually sent you an offer i think the company's invested so much that they're not just going to pull it at the drop of a hat it's not like at the beginning of the interview process when they haven't invested very much in, into you at this point it's like to pull an offer on someone is uh is like wasting a huge amount of man hours and time and money yeah yeah i mean you're you're spot on there i mean if you think about it from the hiring side especially for these big companies where you know they'll pull in six directors or six managers into a room to interview you for an hour that's six man hours they just burned yep. you know you're looking at thousands of dollars for that one meeting with you never mind the fact that they flew you across the country they put you up in a hotel for a night or two they brought you on and had you you know shadow people um you know they're having to pay a recruiter like there's a bunch of money that they're spending to get to that point where they extended the offer to you and most likely they're not looking to just light money on fire um and again that's why it's a red flag if they do pull the offer and they are willing to light that money on fire that means there's something weird about the way that they're managing their resources internally and that makes me nervous about working for that company right exactly yeah and i like what you said earlier uh, about it kind of reminds me of of the of the poker like a, like a poker playing mentality of like the the odds are if someone's given you a super high offer it's not that you're so stellar and you blew them away like the odds say that you underpriced yourself and you didn't understand the market because because i because i think like the ego inflation you know the the ego answer like you want to believe that oh you just they just give you a super high offer because you're so awesome and there's no way they're going to budge on this because they already gave you a super high offer but in reality the, the chances are the odds are that you know whatever it is maybe you know seven out of ten times it's going to be because you just had the, the wrong expectations that this is actually just a normal offer and you know even though it might hurt your ego a little bit and so there is going to be a lot of room to negotiate uh so it's better to take the the, the thing that's more likely to be the case in reality yep yeah, yeah. Cool. so that's a good sec i think that we'll, we'll go to number four if that's all yeah, right let's do it so it's a perfect seg to the next mistake is just not asking for enough. So mm -hmm. sometimes people will be convinced they should ask for more, right? So I keep using the example of an offer that's a 150K base. And so they're like, oh, I'll negotiate. Yeah, yeah, 155, right? So they ask for 3%. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, first, good. Most people don't do that. So you're already yeah. in like the top 10% of just, you just ask for more. That's like, you get, you're in the top 10%. That's good, but it's not enough. Um, mm -hmm. And so my recommendation usually is the first thing you should do with any offer is prioritize like what you care most about in the offer. So there's going to be a few different components in most offers. Right. Um, base salary is far and away the thing that most people will focus on. There mm -hmm. are exceptions for certain companies like for the, the big five tech companies, um, Apple, Google, Apple, or whatever you want to call it, you know, <laughs> Apple, Google, Microsoft, Facebook, yeah. um, those guys they have a lot of equity they can splash around and sometimes equity might be more important to you depending on your offer um mm -hmm. it's tough to give a rubric for how to kind of decide that but usually it's going to be base salary and so you want to say well what's the you know what's the thing that i want to focus on and then how much should i ask for and so once you prioritize that thing usually base salary then you say well how much should i ask for um a quick and dirty kind of metric that i like to use is 10 to 20 percent more on that thing so mm -hmm. if they offer you 150, you should ask for at least 165. That's the bottom. That's the minimum that I would have a, a client counter up to 180 would be 20%. That's a good range of what you should ask for sort of in a one size fits all type of negotiation, somewhere in 10 to 20% um, above the offer in the dimension that you care about, which like I said, is almost always base salary. And the way that I kind of help people slide from 10 to 20 and find their spot in there is basically 10% is 
you don't see any reason that they think you in particular are the candidate or a super compelling candidate. Maybe they told you they're hiring for 10 entry level software developers. Uh, you're one of the 10. Maybe um, they're doing a favor interviewing you and happen to make you an offer because you know you happen to know somebody that works at the company that referred you or you're in like a normal process. You, know, you don't have any reason to think that they're really compelled to hire specifically you to do specifically this job, right? Mm -hmm. So they're not super desperate to hire you. They're just interested in working with you and have made you an offer because they think you might be a good fit at the company. At the other end of the range is the opposite of that, which is where you know that they really want to hire you. So yep. you have a very specific niche expertise and you'll know this if you're listening to this and you're wondering how you'll know, you'll know because in the interviews they told you, we've been looking for this person for six months. You have exactly the skills that we need for this. We've never met anybody who has this full stack experience that you have or whatever they've said. And there are little alarm bells that should be going off to you. They're, they're telling you, we have a really hard time finding somebody that can do what you can do and therefore you are valuable to us. And that gives yeah. you a green light to ask for more. Um, for all the reasons that we've said before, the big one is if they're having a hard time finding you, they're certainly not gonna run away because you asked for 20% more salary. If anything, they'll, they'll go start digging in the couch cushions to figure out where they can come up with that money because they have to hire you. So make sure you ask for enough. The mistake is not asking for enough. You finally get up the nerve to counter offer and you ask for 2% or something, it's not enough. 10 yeah. to 20% is what you should be asking for. And that scale kind of depends on how desperately do you think they need to hire you. On your side, it is also worth considering because there's a teeny tiny chance that they will pull the offer. It's worth considering how badly you need the job, right? So if you right. haven't paid your rent in six months, you're desperate, you have no money, you've racked up all these credit card debt, you may not wanna be super aggressive in your negotiation. You probably will cost yourself money sometimes in this short-term negotiation, but you have to account for the fact that you're not in a very strong negotiating position and that you should try to negotiate, but not be super duper aggressive. Yeah, that's great advice. Yeah, it, it, but you should still negotiate because I know yeah. a lot of people are gonna be like, oh no, I haven't paid my rent, I've got credit card, I can't afford to risk losing this job, but that's not what you're saying at all. You're saying if that's the case, you should still negotiate, absolutely, but just make it at the lower end of that minimum, which which you said was was 10 to uh, ten to 20%, right? So, yep. so even in that case, you're still gonna throw them back a big, number you're not going to go up three percent or whatever right because it just it just makes sense this is like the the smartest thing to do yeah and this is based on so so to to give a little bit of color here mm -hmm. i spent when i wrote my book i rewrote the chapter on how to negotiate salaries this specific stuff that we're talking about three times from scratch right it yeah. took me a long time to get the chapter right and something i was really stuck on was how do i make um a system that people can use as almost a plug and play one size fits all system, right? Mm -hmm. So I can do better than that. When I coach people, each situation is different and there are nuances, but for the most, the vast majority, 80, 20 rule, 80% of the time, if you just do this, you will get more money. It will work for you. And I talked to, you know, I used to be, my, my background is that I consulted in HR software. I consulted with companies on how they paid people. I was a hiring manager. I negotiated my own salary. I negotiated salary for people that I hired. Um, I consulted with companies on how to actually manage compensation, how to determine how much to pay people. So I know how all this stuff works. And yeah. I called some former colleagues and I said, hey, listen, how much is enough to counter and how much is too much? Like, what does that range look like that I can try and get people into a nice channel where they're safe, right? And the number that we came up with was 10 to 20%. So this yeah. isn't just like I threw a dartboard, you know, darted a dartboard, I hit 10 and I hit 20, I said 10 to 20. It right. was, you know, significant consulting hours with former colleagues trying to figure out what the, the, the sweet spot is. And the bottom line is 10% is just not enough to make anybody really raise an eyebrow. If you think about, you know, you've hired people, 
If they're paying you 150, that's not what it costs to hire you. It costs like 300 to hire you, right? Exactly. So employee for years is gonna be 300K or more. And so if you're asking for another 15K when it's gonna cost them 300K, that's just nothing. It's a drop in the bucket, right? You start getting up to 20%, you're asking for 30K on 300K total. That's a, that's a little steep. It's not too much, but for the right candidate, it's fine, right? right. And so you're, you wanna push them hard up at the, the top end. So 10 to 20% is, I wouldn't call it scientific, but it's well-researched and it's got a lot of uh, my own personal expertise from previous lives built into that plus some of my colleagues. Um, yeah. So I like that range a lot. It works really well for people who read my book, for my coaching clients, anybody who uses that range, it works pretty well for them. Yeah, this was a lesson I had to learn the hard way because I think a lot of people, in fact, there I, there's a, a really good book on it called Never Split the Difference, but a mm -hmm. lot of people have this splitting the difference mindset. And so they think, well, you know, let's see, they offer me 150, I really want 160, so, um, so I'm going to say like 165 or, and they're, they're trying to like, basically trying to find the meat in the middle point. And they're mm -hmm. not thinking strategically that, you know, and I, and I had a situation where I, I was working with a, a lawyer and a, a judge and in a mediation type of thing where, um, where we're trying to negotiate and, uh, you know, these were the experts and, and I was, you know, I think the, you know, I, the, the circumstances was that I was basically trying to get 10 grand from someone who had basically screwed me over. And in, in my initial approach was to, to make an offer at, to say, look, uh, we want 15. <laughs> that was, and, and both the judge and the lawyer laughed at me and I was like, what? And they're like, we're going to ask for 50,000. That's what I was thinking. 50 was my number right there. Yeah. That's why I was like, you're asking for 50. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute. I'm like, well, hold yeah. on. This is crazy. The guy's just going to laugh. And and we, we put in the offer at, at 50 and he comes back and he says nothing. I will give you zero. Right. And I'm like, wow. oh, shit, you guys messed it up. You guys messed it up for me. <laughs> right. And they're both laughing. They're like, no, 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 just watch. Just watch. So I'm like, OK, well, let's get to like 25 or 30. And they're like, are you sure? Because uh i'm i'm thinking 45. <laughs> i'm like what are you crazy you just said zero <laughs> to your 50. i only want 10. you're gonna now insult him with 45. so they i was like okay fine i trust you guys to ship it back to him at 45 and he immediately comes to 15. uh-huh <laughs> and it's like like i just that after that day and i ended up with 20 at the at the end of the day i learned that uh high is is better <laughs> like yeah. like it, yeah. for the most part like like that i was way 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 too low on that so so yeah so i think that's that's an excellent excellent point so yeah no that's a great story i mean it illustrates exactly my philosophy with negotiating salary negotiation is a really interesting type of negotiation by the way mm -hmm. so like yeah um it's it's not what you would read about in like most negotiation books that's just not what it is and the reason is kind of esoteric but it's just the constraints that are put on salaries and stuff like the way that it works it's not it's a very unique little thing that you're negotiating there um sure. but my goal is always similar to what i think your team was trying to do which is um and i haven't this is not in my book it's under it's it's an undercurrent of my book and my strategy my philosophy and i tell my clients this and that is i'm trying to overshoot whatever their top end is that's really yeah. what i'm trying to do i don't exactly. want them to say yes so if their top end is you know in our example if it's 165 i need to ask for more than 165 for sure Right. Yeah. And so that's what I'm trying to do is figure out if I could see that their top end is 165, I would ask for more than that, probably like 170. Right. Yeah. And salaries, again, salaries are where you don't have to go super high to get down to 165. But I'm not going to ask for 165 because they're not going to say yes at 165. Everybody wants to feel like they got a deal. And so you have to shoot over just a little bit, maybe make them a little uncomfortable. So, like, ah, we can't do 170. The best we can do is 165. You're like, great. That's what I was after. Right. Yeah. Um, 
so that's what I'm always trying to do with every ask. Um, and actually, this this is a perfect segue into our fifth thing. So, <laughs> so, okay, yeah, so I'm going to move right it. into it. All right. So so the fifth thing is stopping too early, right? Mm -hmm. And so so okay, in other words, yeah. you, you ask for ten to twenty percent, right? Maybe they gave you ten percent. They gave you fifteen. That's great. And then the next thing you should ask yourself is, okay, so they gave me more salary. Where else are they flexible? Are they more flexible on salary? Can I ask for more salary again? Maybe they have more room to, or, okay, I got the max salary. Is there equity that I can get? Or maybe I can get them to throw in a sign-on bonus or some vacation time or something like that. And so, you know, even though you've already seen the move, you convinced yourself that you should negotiate. You asked for 10 to 20% more. They gave you a nice little bump. And then your intuition is going to tell you, all right, don't push it, right? Just take mm -hmm. your foot off the gas, enjoy this. But really, then you should say, well, they're obviously flexible, right? Because remember, our thesis is there's room to negotiate. We have proven that thesis. <laughs> the question is, how much room is there to negotiate and on which dimensions? The nice thing that I like about countering on salary first is that it will often not only get you more salary, but it will cause them to reveal to you where else they're flexible. So a lot of times they'll say, you asked for 165 salary. The best that we can do is 160 on salary, but we can also throw in a $5,000 signing bonus. And that'll right. get you 165. And so now they've kind of made you whole at 165. But what I'm thinking is, well, now I know they're flexible on salary. Maybe they're maxed out. Maybe they're not. And I know that sign-on bonuses are in play, which we didn't have one of those before. So now we've got a sign-on bonus to work with. Right. Um, and so now I might say, okay, if you could do 10,000 for the sign-on bonus, I'm on board, right? I want to push them one more time or two more times. Or, I, or if they come back with some equity, we'll give you 10,000 you know, stock options. Can you do 20,000 stock options, right? So don't give up just because they give you something if they concede, or even if they say, no, we can't move on salary. Then you might move on to something else. Say, okay, you're not flexible on salary. I get it. Can you add a sign-on bonus? Can you give me another week of vacation, right? Um, and that kind of thing. So it's important to continue to push. And that's why my, my method is designed actually to sort of ask for just a little bit more than whatever you think their top is, because you want them to say no. And this is really exactly. uncomfortable and unintuitive for people. You do not want them to say yes, because that means you did not ask for enough. It's very unlikely that you actually directly guessed the maximum they were willing to pay. It's very unlikely. Most likely you undershot. So you want to make sure you overshoot so that you have an opportunity to do two things. One is get the max in that dimension, salary, equity, whatever. And two, you get to ask again. And usually you can get away with two or three different asks to maximize the total value of your comp package. So you can start with salary, max that out. If they haven't said yes to you, if they've said no or given you a partial yes, you can ask for something else. Hey, can you add a sign-on bonus? Can you give me another week of vacation? Can you give me some more equity? Whatever that is. And so you want to keep going because there's often one opportunity right at the end. You've counter-offered. They've come back. They've responded to your counter-offer. And there's a little window there where they are so close to closing the deal that they're going to work with you on some other stuff if it's available to them to close it. Because now the recruiter is already counting that commission check, right? Um, mm. Before, they weren't sure if they were going to close you. Now they know they can close you because they're getting real close and they're going to be like, yeah, yeah, let me go. I'll go get approval for another week of vacation. Or, you know, we usually don't do sign on bonuses, but we can get you 10 grand. Right. Um, so that's my fifth mistake that people make is they stop too quick. So they talk themselves into negotiating. They do ask for 10 to 20 percent more salary. And then whatever the recruiter says back in response, they just say, OK, and they should keep pushing just two or three more times to try and maximize the total value of their compensation package in either that salary dimension or in other dimensions to like equity, sign-on bonus, vacation, things like that. Yeah, great advice. Yeah, I, I totally 100% agree with you because I think it. a lot of people, like you said, they don't even negotiate in the first place. But then when they make that counter and they get back a counter, they're like, oh, I can't possibly go back again. They're, they're going to like, mm -hmm. I, like I'm, I'm really risking it now. But that's 
it's really not the case. In fact, it's stronger at that point because if they've actually come, they're showing they want to play ball. If they're going to rescind the offer, they would do it right away. And uh, and and yeah, so you've got and you've moved them closer to the to the goal. Yeah, I, I like that that approach a lot for sure. Yeah, yeah. So those are our those are our five um, five mistakes that people make. Uh, and I think that avoiding those five mistakes is super valuable and can be really challenging. So I, yeah. that's one thing I want to say is like, I'm not trying to trivialize how difficult this is. The reason I called my book Fearless Salary Negotiation is it, it caused me to be afraid. I didn't yeah. negotiate a couple of job offers. I took pay cuts a couple of times mm -hmm. and then I started coaching people and I just saw how afraid they are. And it's always, I don't want the offer rescinded. I don't want to seem greedy. I don't want to ask for too much. This is a pretty good offer. People have a lot of fear around this. So I don't want to trivialize it. You know, I'm very confident and comfortable with this because it's literally my job, <laughs> but yeah. it, it's not comfortable. It's going to be awkward and uncomfortable, but it's worth doing. And you'll find sure. that once you do it, you kind of get a little like, oh, that wasn't so bad. I feel pretty good about myself now. Uh, it gets easier as you do it. Yeah, it's such a valuable skill and a valuable thing. I mean, if you the, over the course of your career, if you do that every time that you get a, another job, I mean, the the amount of money, the difference that that can make is 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 huge. It's it's a lot of people don't even realize how much that 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 adds up. But it, it it's it's not significant just in that one job, I think, but also it because you usually are going to go for a job that's making more than the previous. So where you're at, mm -hmm. your current job is is where you you know you how far how fast you climb that ladder to to a large degree so and then also i think also to, to some degree there's like a, a certain amount of respect that they have for you like you, it's like you're coming into the company valuing yourself a little bit higher right i mean sometimes if it's a big company the hr and the actual team you're working on doesn't actually you know they're not going to realize that that you negotiated the salary but um, yeah but for, especially for small companies like to, to know, you know you're not going to get jerked around if they know that you, you know you're not just a pushover yeah, you're taking yourself seriously. Seriously, you're looking out for yourself. I think it demonstrates a lot of business acumen, right? Like it, it, it under it demonstrates that you're thinking about the value of things beyond I need to write X lines of code or whatever. You know, I need to ship this many features or whatever. Um, you're thinking about a more holistic approach to business and the value that you bring to that business. Um, and I think that sends really positive signals to the people that you'll be working with that you're yeah. the real deal and you're not just a cog in their machine, but you're actually an asset that they're bringing into the organization. Exactly. All right, guys. So for so those of you that that stayed on and listened to the the tips, you know, thanks thanks to Josh for for being here and for for giving those tips. Really good. Like I said, I agree with all all of this. It's the stuff that I've I've encountered so many times. Uh, there's a lot more to this though. That's the thing. And uh, and so for you guys, you know, as a special gift to you, uh, we we're gonna have uh, a discount. Josh actually has a really really good program. On, on salary negotiation. So we're gonna put a link, There's it's gonna be a limited time uh, promo, but if you're watching this video, go check the description. We'll probably put it in the cards uh, as well, and there'll be a link to uh, to, to get a, a really, really good uh, price on his uh, on his negotiation course. And uh, yeah, so, so thanks, Josh. I really appreciate uh, you coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Super excited about this sort of cross promotion that we're doing. Um, I just love meeting new audiences and sharing this knowledge. For me, it's personally fulfilling to know that I'm helping people. So I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to come on and just talk about this stuff. You can see, I love it. So yeah. anytime I can talk about it and get new people to be exposed to the idea. And if, if one person comes away thinking, maybe I will negotiate that job offer I'm getting next week, then I feel yeah. like it's a big win.
Well, yeah, for me, it's like a no-brainer. It's like, it's so easy to talk about, like, you know, especially your course, and it's so worth it for someone to buy because it's like, if you just negotiate, like, if you use it, uh, I mean, how much money are you going to potentially make yourself, right? It's, it's like, it's it's lovely when when there's something like this that that is a no-brainer where it's like, obviously, you should invest in this in this skill, right, in this particular thing, because it's going to make you more money. It's the same thing that I, that I tell people with like hiring a professional resume writer and, and spending the money on that is because it's like, it will make you more money. Like there's no, there's no doubt, like learn how to negotiate your salary will absolutely make you more money. So to invest in that is just, it, it's a no brainer. It's a, it's a net profit. So. Oh yeah. It's really fun just to talk about something where you can just draw a straight line from like, I may just make this purchase to, it makes me more money. Right. You exactly. Don't, there's, yeah. there's nothing in between. It's just a straight line right from A to B and it's boom, it's there. So I love yeah. it. All right, cool. Well, uh, thanks a lot, Josh, and I'll, I'll talk to you later. All right, thanks, John.